This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. It's been warm and sometimes even humid in recent days. The perfect spring weather for everyone's favorite blood-sucking parasitic arachnid. I'm talking about ticks. Illinois' changing climate is becoming more favorable for ticks. Four species already call the state home, and their ranges are expanding every year. Now, to make matters worse, they carry a variety of pathogens, including Lyme disease, cases of which have increased tenfold over the last few decades. So today we're talking ticks, where they are now, how their populations are shifting, and how you can stay safe outdoors this spring and summer. With us is Holly Tootin, a vector ecologist at the Illinois Natural History Survey's Medical Entomology Lab. She leads the state's tick surveillance program. Holly, welcome to Reset. Good morning. Also with us is Kim Fake, Lincoln Park Zoo's Wildlife Research Coordinator. Hi, Kim. Great to have you on. Hi. Happy to be here. Holly, so I'm hearing that you're joining us from the field collecting ticks as we speak. So describe your surroundings for us and what this process looks like. Yeah. Um, so uh, it looks like the forest of Endor and in the Star Wars movies where the Ewoks <laughs> live. Uh, we're... Uh, <laughs> We're in Northwest uh, Illinois uh, in Henry County today, and uh, so our site has some evergreens, uh, a lot of hardwoods, a lot of slopes, hills and valleys, um, and some fields too. And primarily today, we're sticking to the forest. Uh, we're sampling for the black-legged tick. Most people know that as the deer tick. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, drag a square meter of, of white cloth uh, slowly at a walking pace across the ground. We check it every 10 meters. We check our cells. We check our cloths. And we collect any ticks we find. And uh, so far this morning, we've been finding uh, adult female black-legged ticks, those deer ticks that are e. the vectors of the agent of Lyme and some other uh, some other uh, disease agents. Okay. Um, and, and also the nymphs of black-legged ticks. We're also getting black-legged tick nymphs. And you're just, you're not, I want to make sure our listeners understand, you're not just in there in, you know, just a shirt and pants. Like, you're wearing your tick buster suit. Right. Yes. <laughs> what does it look like? <laughs> you know, so it's actually it's a flight deck suit, um, and the reason that I picked these, uh, so it's sturdy canvas, it's sturdy white canvas, and um, it doesn't have any pockets. Um, and I picked that so that we could pull it on. Um, so underneath my thick white uh, canvas suit, I'm just wearing uh, kind of standard sweat wicking athletic gear to keep myself cool. Um, but then the suit itself, it extends from my ankles to my wrists and up to my neck. And a tick would have to crawl all the way up the suit, all the way up to my neck to get in. There's no oh. other way to, for it to enter. Um, and we treat that suit with a, a chemical known as permethrin uh, that's uh, formulated specifically for use on uh, cloth. Is it hot? Is it? I can't get hot. Yeah. Well, today it's pretty cool, so 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 that's it good. Quite clement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Kim. Let's yeah, let's yeah. let's bring you in here, Kim. So for for those listening who may have never seen a tick, describe what they look like for us. Yeah. So I would say that they look very very similar to spiders. I think a lot of people tend to confuse them for spiders, um, especially the adult life stages. Um, they have four pairs of legs. Um, you know, they do a slow crawl. So they they seem very similar um, to spiders. But the younger life stages, um, the larvae only have three sets of legs, so they're going to look a little bit different. Um, But, yeah, generally people tend to think of them very much like a spider. Where do they tend to live? Like what kinds of environments in general? Yeah, so ticks can be found in grassy environments and wooded environments. Um, The black-legged tick, um, which vectors Lyme disease, tends to be found more in wooded habitats. Um, but it can be found in grassy habitats as well. 
So tell us more. So you mentioned the black-legged ticks. Which species are living in Illinois right now? Yeah, so we have the black-legged tick, the American dog tick, the lone star tick, and also the Gulf Coast tick. Um, But up here in the upper part of the state near Chicago, we tend to see mostly the black-legged tick and the American dog tick. And, of course, the black-legged tick is the one that people are really concerned about since it vectors Lyme disease, which is um, the tick-borne disease that's um, very common and of most concern in the United States and here in Illinois. So in in the city, so in in Chicago, as you mentioned, where exactly do we see them most? Like, Where do they seem to be most prevalent in the city? Well, like I said, you're going to find them in wooded habitats, but they can be in grassy habitats as well. I mean, any sort of natural area with the host that can support the life stages of these ticks could potentially have ticks. Um, They can also be dropped off by birds or deer um, and sort of show up in sites that maybe not be able to establish. So they could be just there. um, So we can just see them just in the neighborhoods? Yeah, I mean, people in Illinois have been Great. known to um, have ticks in, even in their backyards. I wouldn't expect that to be necessarily super common in Chicago, depending on, you know, your yard and your habitat. Um, but certainly when you're out in different green spaces, public parks, forest preserves, um, any, you know, natural wooded area or grassy area, um, you can definitely come in contact with ticks. Holly, as uh, Kim mentioned, you know, it's Lyme Disease Awareness Month in May. Uh, these black-legged ticks or deer ticks, they, they, they spread the bacteria that causes the disease. So as a member of the Illinois Lyme Disease Task Force, tell us a little bit about the disease and, and how Illinois is responding. Well, you know, there has been legislation in recent years. Um, there was House Bill 4515 uh, a couple years ago. Um Illinois has a really strong patient advocacy organization, the Illinois Lyme Association, that's been working on these issues um, with the task force. So uh, we are we're seeing um, uh, potentially a more favorable climate for medical practitioners um, to be able to make those clinical diagnoses of Lyme. Mm-hmm. Um, so not just a blood test, right, but also based on a, a constellation of symptoms and potential exposure. Um, I'm training health departments, uh, so personnel at health departments, forest preserve districts, uh, and other allied fields and environments on public health and how to actually collect ticks and also how to identify ticks. Um, and then uh, there's a, some very good work that's being done right now um, <clears throat> from uh, uh, folks across several different spheres in the state. There's a bit of a community of practice building on um, uh, patient and, um, and medical provider education. Um, regarding uh, Lyme and other tick-borne diseases. I see. So if you if you get Lyme disease, Holly, from, from a tick, um, you can get antibiotics, right, as a, as a treatment. But I understand there's no vaccine available right now, even though back in the day, in the 90s, there was. Yeah, it was called Limerix. Um, and uh, that uh, the history of that might be a, <laughs> might be a different show. <laughs> uh, but uh, We'll yeah, bring it back. There, there's yeah, there's there's one in the works right now too, um, and um, there actually um, are therapeutics like that for um, our our canine companions as well. But right now, yeah, if somebody um, has developed uh, Lyme, um, it's um, uh, typically medical practitioners what they're going to go for are going to be antibiotics. Yeah, Kim, you mentioned some of those other tick species earlier. What diseases do they carry? Yeah, so the American dog tick um, could carry Rocky Mountain spotted fever, tularemia, um, 
you know, even the, the black-legged tick can carry other diseases like human anaplasmosis or human babesiosis. But really, all these other diseases are much, much less common than Lyme disease. So that tends to be the one that we're really concerned about here in Illinois. Anything you can tell us about alpha-gel, the, the disease that causes a red meat allergy? Yeah, that would be related to um, the lone star tick, um, and it is a, a possibility. It's something that we're still um, learning a lot about, how that mechanism works. But yeah, people that are bitten by the lone star tick sometimes do develop um, a red meat allergy. Holly, how is climate change affecting ticks? It's a complex story. Um, you know, ticks are exquisitely affected by their microclimate. So what's happening at a very, very local level. Um, what they, they need high humidity, right? They need to find hosts to feed on. So if climate change even impacts hosts, right, it could impact tick populations. And our lab works with the state climatologist, Trent Ford, on uh, a lot of these issues. And what we're kind of seeing is... Um, you know, uh, we could see events that increase or change the distribution of tick populations or their hosts. We could also see events that uh, cause increased tick mortality um, or mortality in tick hosts. Um, so it's not quite as straightforward as saying climate change is going to cause an increase in ticks. Uh, additionally, we've got the intersection of land use, right? So the way that we are changing how we use land, both now and in response to climate change, could have an effect on tick populations as well. And then uh, a quick plug uh, that kind of ties some of this together, um, part of the state's initiative um, on responding to the increase in tick-borne diseases is the Illinois Department of Public Health has interactive public maps now. Mm. So if somebody does a, a web search for um, Illinois tick surveillance map, these maps will come up. And everybody who lives in Illinois, they can go to these maps and they can see what's being found in their county yeah. and how it changes over time. We recently had science writer Ed Yong on Reset, and uh, he told us that we are entering the pandemicene, which is, by definition, oh, right. it, it's, it's an era that's defined by prolific viruses, while animals... And spillover, yep. Yeah, animals encountering each other for the first time as they, they move and they adapt to this changing climate, and at the same time, humans move into their habitats. Let's listen. This isn't some problem for the far-off future, although it will get worse in the future. It is a problem that has been occurring um, and that is already upon us in this world where we're already 1.5 degrees warmer than in pre-industrial times. It means we already live in an age where climate-driven viral spillovers is a real problem. So, Holly, as you, you touched on a moment ago, I mean, is climate change at all in your view, to, to blame for this increase in, in Lyme disease cases? I would say partly to blame. I think that there are a lot of other factors, though. Obviously, yeah, with climate change, for instance, um, the, uh, the arthropod life cycle is exquisitely tied to temperature, and increased temperatures can uh, accelerate that, um, right? So we might see uh, uh, longer periods of activity during the year. If we've got milder winters or if spring comes earlier, yeah. then ticks can be active for longer during the year, Right. Um, but then we also, like I said, we've got intersections with the way that we use land. Um, and then, yeah, as um, Ed Young was pointing out, um, with uh, just completely novel and new encounters, um, we uh, did an investigation of heartland virus, the first tick-borne heartland virus cases in Illinois a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, heartland virus just kind of came on the scene out of nowhere uh, this century, yeah. right? And, and so the question is kind of, well, where is it coming from? You know, has it always been here or is it new? Um, 
you know, work that's been done indicates it is uh, native, you know, mm-hmm. to uh, North America. And so it, it's, it's likely uh, that we've got kind of tick proliferation, tick host proliferation. Deers are proliferating, mm-hmm. right? Uh, regreening. Um, so we've got areas that were heavily um, industrialized or had agriculture that are now regreening, and we've got new forests springing up. Yikes. Um, and then uh, we've got human encroachment in all of these habitats. We're building developments in areas like that. So we're encountering things we've never encountered before. And the ticks themselves and the hosts themselves might be at a higher density than they were before. In these final 30 seconds we have here, Kim, obviously nobody wants to get bitten by ticks. So just give us some quick precautions that we can take to avoid them and and what we should do if we do find a tick on our skin. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the great thing about tick-borne diseases, if you can say there's something great about them, is they're extremely preventable with some easy-to-follow steps. Um, So first of all, wearing long plants long pants, long sleeves, you can pull your socks up over the ankles of your pants, and that's going to act a lot like uh, Holly's tick-busting suit yes. and uh, prevent them from getting up under your pants. Um, you can also stay on trails and in the center of the trail to kind of prevent you from brushing up against the vegetation on the side where those ticks are hanging out looking for hosts. You can also use insect repellents. Um, so something containing DEET or like Holly mentioned, you mm-hmm. can use permethrin um, to treat your clothing itself. Um But importantly, you really just need to check your body for ticks following time outdoors. And that can be when you're out hiking, when you're walking your dog, Um, anytime you're going to be out in these habitats that ticks can be. Check your body for ticks, Um, folks. Yes, check your body, you know, head to toe, um, all your little crevices, you know, inside your belly button and whatnot. Um, And if you do find a tick attached to you, um, the good news is that not all tick diseases are going to be transmitted immediately. So yeah. even if it bites you, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to get sick. It has to be infected with a pathogen right. and it has to be feeding long enough to actually transmit the pathogen. We'll have to... so once you find that tick, the quicker you can remove it um, using tweezers and grabbing the tick as close to your skin as possible and pulling with an eating pressure straight out is the best thing you can do. Kim Fake is with Lincoln Park Zoo and Holly Tootin from the Illinois Natural History Survey. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.